Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Folks, hello, my name's Nathan. If we haven't had the privilege of meeting, uh, great, to, great to see you. Happy New Year, if we haven't seen each other since New Year. Who's, who's, who's back in life? Who's back at work? Who's not? Who's still on sort of holiday vibe? You know? Going to be great. Um, January is one of those reset times in our cultural calendar. So, um, uh, and w- what we're doing with this message series actually is, in, in a way, we're thinking, we're di- deeping, deep diving into a book, going deeper. Uh, and, and did you know, like, in a couple of weeks' time, we have... Um, what's the Dream Sunday? A couple of weeks' time. So even as we're reading together, even as we're, we're, we're having, uh, go, having a journey through the book of Ruth, man, let's let it inform everything that we're bringing to God as we start our 2024. Let's do that. Uh, we are. We're going, we're, the series is called Going Deeper. In 2024, church, who wants to go deeper? Anyone not, really? Good. Let's go deeper in all the things God has for us. Let's, let's, let's go there today. And, um, and this series, I love the way that we're unpacking this series going deeper because I love a balanced diet of the way we go through the Word together as church. Don't you? I love a church that goes through the key themes in life. What does the Lord say? What is the Word saying about relationships? Well, at C3 Watson, we will, you know, create some time to really just do relationships We'll do freedom, we'll do themes, and themes are good, but oh, here's also something that I love also, is just pausing sometimes, getting open a book of the Bible, and just letting it speak to us. And it's a different mode, if you, if, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a, if you know what theme, you know, we're preaching theme, we, this exegetical is the sort of the theological term for it, we just let the words speak to us. We'll do it a little bit differently today. Well, as we do whenever we do a book of the Bible, and I just wanted to be clear with you so you're ready and we're all going together. It means that what I need you to do is have your pen and notepad out and and everything ready to make all the the notes that will stream as a community as we go through this book together. Uh, And I want you to have your Bible out and we'll all read through. For me, we're going to do Ruth chapter 2 today. So you'll be, we'll just read the whole thing. And here's how this type of message will work, just so you know. It'll work a little bit like, um, we'll just read together, and then we'll pause at, like a train, getting on a train together. We go along a bit, and then we'll stop at the stop, the doors will open, and we'll say, what is that saying to us? Then we'll go, whoa, it'll close, and we'll go to stop two, and we'll go, now what is the word saying to us? And we'll go, whoa, this is great. Good? Ready? If you weren't here last week, that's when Jess launched us off on, with Ruth chapter 1. Um, and you can catch it on the podcast. If you didn't get to catch it, you can uh, definitely read it. And, but I'm, I've got the privilege of talking through Ruth chapter 2. But in case you weren't with us, or in case Ruth is a new book that you haven't read before, a really quick summary so that we're all moving forward together is this. The book of Ruth is in the Old Testament, the, just before, before Jesus landed on the earth in the flesh, uh, was the Old Testament, and there's a book in there between the book of Judges and the book of 1 Samuel called Ruth. Now, 
Ruth and the story that we're going to tell happens in the timeline of the judges, that is, before King David and all the kings, uh, and it happens in that context. And here's really what we're up to today, is that um, it, it takes place in a town called Bethlehem. That's pretty familiar, post-Christmas, isn't it? town called Bethlehem, and in the story we hear this, that, that there was a big famine in Bethlehem. And so a woman called Naomi, uh, her husband called Elimelech, and their two sons uh, felt like, man, life is hard in Bethlehem. Uh, we can't eat. There's nothing to eat. So they moved to the traditional sort of enemy country of, of Israel, Ju- Ju- Judah. Um, they, they moved to uh, Moab, and there's the story of Ruth starts with tragedy. Not only is there famine, but they, things don't happen and thrive in the new land of Moab. They, they settle in, the sons have wives, uh, tragedy strikes, and Elimelech, the dad, he dies. Tragedy strikes, and the two sons, trage- they both die. It leaves um, Naomi, the mum, and two daughters-in-law. One daughter-in-law stays back in Moab, where she's been raised, and, and Naomi says, bless you, you should definitely go. Uh, but Ruth, this young woman, Ruth, says, no, 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 I don't want to stay here. My heart's tethered to your heart. I'm going to go wherever you go. And so Ruth finds herself, this is all Ruth chapter 1, finds herself with Naomi in a, back in Bethlehem without any social support, without any seeming family members or plans. They're a massively vulnerable moment. And that's where we pick up in Ruth chapter 2. Can we pray before we start? Father, we want to learn from your word. We want to hear it. We want it to go inside of us. We want it to make a change in our life. So we pray together, Lord, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your, your precious scripture today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just two interesting overarching points I'd love to make about Ruth before we go straight into chapter two of it. Is that okay? Two interesting points? Thank you. Interesting point number one for you is this. When you read Ruth in its entirety, what you'll find is that God, even though the Bible's all about God, it's his letter to it, he's very rarely mentioned. He doesn't speak that we hear in the book of Ruth. He's kind of, so, it's, a, it's a narrative story about this family trying to, something's happening, and you don't really hear anything about God. Ruth might talk about him a bit, Naomi does a little bit, but he doesn't seem to weigh in. I want to be open with you about that, but I also want to tell you that that's actually not an oversight. Watch what we talk about today. The other thing would be this, an interesting thought that in reading Ruth, we get the book of Judges. If you've read the book of Judges, it's just adventure after adventure. Samson lifts stuff and, and Gideon drinks water and kills, like it's a whole thing. And then in Samuel, King David, you know, David will... Whoosh, with Goliath, and, and if you read back into like Exodus and things, you'll see the splitting of the seas, you'll see so much happening, and so you'd be forgiven for reading Ruth and going, oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's a tragedy, like really vulnerable moments and stuff, but there's no miracles or anything, it's, you know, there's a tragedy, she moves back to Bethlehem, something's going to happen, and then by the end, it's an incredible blessing, but that's not like... Can I tell you this? That's also not an oversight. There's something we can learn here. Something incredible. And what I'd like you to do as we get into this thing is watch 
in the passages how God our Father operates in turning situations around. Watch that. Watch as we learn from Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. Watch these. Uh, we haven't introduced Boaz yet. You're about to meet someone called Boaz. Watch them and how they interact. Let's be mentored by what they do and how they respond in a difficult situation. Let's begin together. Are you ready? You've got your Bibles open? You've got your devices open? If you don't, that's a cool little cup on the screen, but I like to have it in front of me. Here we go. This is them, Naomi, Ruth, come into Bethlehem, very vulnerable right now, no full plans, and here's verse 1. It goes, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, that's her husband who died, by the way, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, hey, let me go into the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. And so she went out and she entered the field and she began to glean behind the harvesters the little bits of barley. I just want to pause to give you a bit of a cultural connect here. That seems like she might be going like shoplifting or something. I just thought, oh, maybe, but it's actually, it's not. This is actually a, uh, uh, when God gave the law into, in Moses, to Moses, up on Sinai, he gave provisions to look after the people who had no way to look after themselves. And so if you quickly jump to Deuteronomy 24, 19, we can see that it says, when, har- when you're harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, leave it for the fatherless, leave it for the widow, so the Lord may God may bless you in the work of your hands. So, when that's Ruth's idea, just so that we're all, you know, that's not, that's what you need to do if you have no other way to get an income and you're right at the end of yourself. Okay, let's continue. Let's pick it up. It says, as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, can I just, can I get you to underline these words? as it turned out. We'll continue. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. He said, the Lord be with you. And they said back, the Lord bless you. Can I ask you, can you underline another passage for me? Just underline, just then. The first stop we're going to make as we open the Scriptures together is entitled, God Incidences. Because I want to pose to you that just because you don't see God explicitly moving within the story, it doesn't mean that God isn't moving within the story. Even though Ruth wasn't aware of Boaz, nor the field that she was in, God was 100% moving behind the scenes. Whatever Boaz's movements had been that morning, don't even know. Boaz got up, probably had his espresso down at the local and then, you know, was checking out socials and then he arrived and he went, hi folks, what's going on? But he arrived just in that time, in that space-time continuum, he landed just in time to see Ruth in the fields. I want to again just pose to you that just because God is barely mentioned within the book of Ruth, that doesn't mean he's not central to everything single step. And now I want to pose this to you. 
just because you don't know what God is doing in your life today, in your situation right now, it doesn't mean that God isn't actively moving within your life right now at every single step. And I know, man, I know that many here get frustrated. Maybe you're frustrated now, looking at your life as you launch into 2024, saying, oh, God, I can't see you in this situation. Well, these circumstances are making me crazy. Like, where are you, God? What the book of Ruth teaches us is that even when we can't see it, even when it's not explicit, God is. I want to give you something to think about during the week because it's been on my head and I'm giving it to you. If this is true, if God was working behind the scenes, as Scripture is telling us and showing us, I want to put it to you that this week, there's probably like going to be a dozen incidences in your life that God has curated. You might, you will have your own just then moments, like Boaz. You'll have your own just then, like, well, I didn't know you'd be here in the supermarket queue. What's going on with that? As it turned out moments, how many as it turned out moments do you think we might have, you might have this week? I'm telling you, I reckon it's a dozen. And what does that change if you think about that? And all the mess and, of life, what if God is weaving all these things? What if God is more active and central to your day-to-day than you have given him credit for until this moment? Let's keep going. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does this young woman belong to? And the overseer replied, she's a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, hey, let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And, And she came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said uh, to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go out and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And wherever you are, whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink of water from the jars the men have filled with. Just another side note just before we move on. That's above and beyond what the Torah, what the law of Moses has said that we just read. It said, leave some sheaves. He's going above and beyond. This is a man of generosity. This is a man I want to be mentored by. Let's continue. He said, at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people that you don't know before. And may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Can we stop here for a moment? Second stop. This one's called Always Watching. And I think it's an important point to stop here because of, if we only just did that one about God, incidences always happening around us, whether we know it, my concern would be that many of us might leave getting a little bit religiously fatalistic, sort of saying, oh, well, no control, God will do what he does, that's me off the hook, until we get the second stop. The second stop, 
talks about what we, what Ruth was doing, what we might be thinking of doing in our life, and that profound mystery around this. I don't know if you've ever had this before. What do I need to do if God's working in my life, and what does God do, and how does that all work? Is that just a me thing, or is that, have you felt that too? We see it here, we observe it here, this profound and mysterious observation that whilst the Lord is 100% working behind the scenes, putting Ruth in that field and bringing Boaz in for such a time as that, nothing would have happened had Ruth not been so faithful to Naomi. Nothing would have happened had Ruth not said, I'll be proactive and bold and I'll go and collect some food. And it would hardly have happened if Boaz wasn't generous in nature. So it's both, isn't it? What God wants to do in your life is this mysterious, sacred formation of our proactive faith living outness and character and God moving in amongst and weaving. Understand that the Lord is working behind the scenes of your life today, without a shadow of a doubt. And at the same time, understand that your proactive faith my proactive faith, our proactive boldness, our lived-out character will eventually see all that God has for our lives unpacked and woven in the way that He's designed. Don't underestimate your proactive day-to-day moments. Don't underestimate your decisions that you'll make this week, the habits, the character that you're developing in in the presence of God. And don't underestimate, by the way, check this out. Now, Ruth didn't know who Boaz was. But Boaz knew who Ruth was. Don't underestimate who might be watching as you live out your life. He had heard about her self-sacrifice, her boldness, her loyalty. We've talked about maybe a dozen God incidences this week. I want to pose to you, I want to tell you that there are people around your life watching your life who might be strangers to you, but in some way you're not strangers to them. They know you as someone who does church. They know you as someone who says they have Jesus on the and they watch to see how your character develops in those times of trial, in those times of heat. We better finish this passage, shouldn't we? So let's keep going from verse 13. It says, Ruth says, May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I, have, I don't have the standing of one of your servants. Now at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, she offered some of, he offered some roasted grain as well, and she ate all she wanted, and then she had some left over, and then she got up to glean. Boaz gave orders to put out some extra stalks and leave them behind easily for her to pick up, and then he said, don't rebuke her, which is very sweet and romantic. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening, and then she threshed the barley that she had gathered, and it amounted to one ephah. Uh, That's not metric measurement. It's not imperial. It's a whole other measurement. Can I tell you how much that is in kilo terms? 13 kilos. Like, that's a workout. Like, she's walking home with 13 kilos, and she's got a tummy full. 15 kilos with that. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she gathered and Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over that she hadn't even eaten for lunch. And her mother-in-law asked her, 
Where did you glean today? Where did you get, where did you work? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. And then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. She said, oh, look, the name of the man I worked with today, he was called Boaz, she said, and the the Lord bless him. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. I think she's talking about God, hey? She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. One more underline. Can you underline guardian redeemer? Then Ruth Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work with him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and the wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. Our final stop as we bring our message, our week of going through Ruth to a close is just that. This stop is called our guardian redeemer. Guardian Redeemer, if you want to do some homework, you can write this down and look it up later. Leviticus 25, 25 to 55 in the Mosaic Law poses this idea of a guardian redeemer, which is in this ancient culture, um, if you weren't the male of the household and you died, um, your wife and your children maybe may lose that block of land that has been a part of your inheritance. You may lose everything and there's no social service or anything to set up to actually help you survive, except as we've seen today, gleaning in the background. But the Mosaic law that God sent and said, look, we've got to look after people was such that, look, if you see somebody over there and you have a relation to the, the, the brother or the relative who died, you can keep that land and that family within the family by marrying the destitute widow and adopting the kids and keeping them safe. That's what Boaz ends up being known to be for that we'll read into chapter three and four in future weeks. But for now, my final stop, my thought would be this. That idea of the guardian redeemer is nothing if it's not a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ for us. Isn't it? That we are, when we are destitute, when we have nothing, when we can do nothing in our own power, there is a firstborn of all creation who, who reached out and had brought us in, took us from a space of tragedy to a space of blessing. Praise God. And even this, when you look through all of Scripture, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, when you look at the lives of the people who've gone before us, when you stop and analyze your own life now, what you're going to find is the character of God is guardian redeemer over and over and over, forever taking us from a place of tragedy and into a place of blessing if we would just trust Him. Let's trust God, our guardian redeemer. So our first stop this week was this. What God incidences are happening in your life? And what does it mean if we take our, take our whatever, blinders off to see what God might be doing? Our second stop was this. How and in what way can we be proactively partnering with all that God is doing in our life? With our character, with our habits, with our boldness and with our faith. And this final one would be 
than in our chaotic world when you look at the news stream and you get despair. Jesus Christ is the real life guardian redeemer. Well, Boaz was real life too, but he's the guardian redeemer for us all. Let's trust him. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of Ruth and all that it has for us. We thank you for the opportunity to deep dive into this chapter today. And Father, I pray that your word, because it's living and breathing and it never returns to you void, Father, that you would etch these words on our hearts, not only over today, not only over this week, but shift in us what you need to shift in us. We thank you for it. Move in us, we pray. And just before we wrap up, we, I want to, we want, to, want to make sure I've thrown out um, an opportunity to anybody here who is coming in to this space who never hasn't ever invited Jesus to be their guardian redeemer of their life and of their world. Or maybe you have, but it's a whole new year and it's 2024 and in reflection you note that you've gone to the left or to the right of what he has for you and this is your day of return. This is the moment for that. And the way we'll do it in this moment is I'll get everybody with your eyes closed to keep them closed and I'll recite a prayer. And all of us, all of us will recite that prayer together, back, forth, back, forth. But there's a a group of people here who it's the cry of their heart right now. It's a decision-making moment. And if that is you, after the service, we want to pray for you, we want to give you a gift, we want to look after you as you start this life in heaven. So you ready? I'm going to say, start praying and I want you to repeat back after me. Let's begin. Jesus. I believe you. Jesus, I am deciding to follow you from this moment. Jesus, thank you for coming into my life, for the forgiveness of my many sins, and for setting me free. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.